Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Basecamp for Men, Season 2. I've been really excited to get back to the microphone, and I've missed speaking with you. Sorry for the longer-than-expected delay. We built a new website for Basecamp, and there was just a ton of complications that we had to find solutions for. So thank you for your patience. Thanks for hanging in there and for coming back around to listen. I really appreciate it. In terms of content, we are continuing in the same vein as Season 1 with resources for men that will include health and vitality, fatherhood, spiritual wisdom and well-being, and using myth to provide an inspiring narrative for men. And I will continue to look for thought leaders and teachers to help us expand our learning together. And we'll look at how do we live courageously as men, and we'll look at the evolution of consciousness, as this may be the most important story of all right now. All of this should give us plenty of juicy terrain to explore together. Since last time I spoke with you, COVID-19 has hit and the world has changed. We will do our best here on Basecamp to give you fresh perspectives and a narrative that is uplifting, as there are many of them right now. Many men I know are using this unique chapter in our history to spend quality time with family, deepening their spiritual practice in any number of ways, taking better care of themselves, or just slowing down. I know all of these things have been true for me. In terms of keeping informed, it's a balancing act. How do we keep in the loop with what is happening without ingesting too much of the fear-based narrative that the media loves to push at us? Listening to too much news, whether it's left, right, or center, will keep you feeling anxious and worried. A little bit goes a long ways. So with that being said, I invite you to join me and the rest of the men in 15 to 20 minutes of essential silence every day. Keeping a calm center, keeping an open heart, and remembering that wise old adage by Rumi, this too shall pass. Maybe staying calm and keeping a sense of humor and a sense of lightness about us and being kind and patient, both to ourselves and to others, are the greatest gifts we can give right now. So thank you, listeners, and welcome back to Basecamp for Men. The topic of guiding adolescent boys into manhood seems to me an extremely relevant one right now. As a society, we have not created the initiatory structures that enable our young people to come into manhood as a celebration. We almost dread when a boy is creeping towards manhood, as if that's a terrible thing. What sort of message does this send our boys? Is being a man really that awful? Do men not have anything to offer? Or is it the cultural conditioning that is in dire need of being upgraded? How come boys aren't properly celebrated as they enter the tribe of men? There's been a movement to create rites of passage trainings for boys, but we need more. We need more imperfect men stepping up to mentor our adolescent boys. And here's a quote from African spiritual teacher Melodon Assom. He says, quote, when a civilization lacks rites of passage, its soul is sick. The evidence for this sickness is threefold. First, there are no elders. Second, the young are violent. And third, the adults are bewildered, unquote. My guest today exemplifies being committed to helping our boys arrive at manhood as a celebration and with the support of caring appropriate elders. Earl Hip is an author, speaker, advisor to mentoring groups, and community consultant. Since 1982, Earl has been involved with organizations that focus on men's issues and development. He speaks at national conferences and delivers workshops across the country, teaching organizations how to call men to mentoring. Since 2005, Earl has published the Man Making blog, discussing manhood, male culture, mentoring, and men's rites of passage. His mission is to help men discover and use their innate man-making gifts 
so fewer boys and men are left to wander alone in the dangerous never-never land between boyhood and manhood. Here is my interview with Earl Hip. Okay, I'm here with author Earl Hip. Earl, welcome to Base Camp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. I am honored. Thank you. Crazy times. Uh, you're getting ready. We're in the middle of this COVID-19, and you're, you're getting ready to take the family back to uh, Minneapolis from Tucson, huh? That's correct, and it is crazy. You know, uh, there's uh, anxiety no matter where you are, so we figured we'll be uh, uh, no family, just Gwen and I, and we'll yeah. be isolated in the car for three nine-hour days. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nuts. I know. It's been insane. So um, I've been really excited to talk to you. We, we do a number of episodes. We did in season one on mentoring boys, bringing boys along into manhood, and then I discovered your book, Man Making men helping boys on their journey to manhood. Um, and I, my first question, I guess, is you wrote in your book that adolescent boys desperately need older men in their lives. And I guess in your own words, why, do, why is that so important for adolescents? Well, I, I talk about an epidemic of under malnourished boys in the country. The, fa the, the fatherlessness plague is extraordinary. We encounter that in our school programs and in our boys to men activities down here all the time. 60% mm -hmm. of the boys don't have a father around. So, I mean, there's just that basic large chunk of the population that don't have a male in the house. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll come back to your question in a moment. And then there's also under, under fathered boys or poorly fathered boys and so on. So to get directly to your answer, I think it's in the hardwiring you think about this uh, for eons, <laughs> for 10,000 years, you know, when the time was right, the, the, the men showed up for the boys. They came and got them and took them off to man's world and, uh, and uh, ran them through the, a rite of passage experience that brought them into the life of community and introduced them to uh, men's work. And so that's in the hardwiring. Yeah. And I've witnessed this time and time again. Uh, back in the day, these boys would have had their uh, elders around, their uncles, their grandparents, um, who were present and visible and may or may not have taken an interest in them, but they were there and seen. It's kind of like uh, having the same brain uh, around. Uh, one woman said to me, in the talk I was giving, she said, you know, I just don't want my boyfriend teaching my daughter how to put in a tampon. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so there's a male equivalent of that. There's some things, I think, uh, that are, you know, irretrievably kind of men's work and women's work. Yes. And uh, initiating young men or, or showing up for young men is, uh, provides a, a set of male nutrients, I think, that are pretty essential. And, and by the way, doing that work uh, showing up for young men is uh, part of a completion for a man's journey to manhood. But that's, that's I, di I digress a little bit. No, no, we'll, we'll definitely get into some of that uh, in just a little bit. Um, one of the things I see, and I remember when I was a boy, um, you know, that boys really hunger for adventure, initiation, and for testing themselves. When I was a kid, I was really into sports, and that fulfilled some of that testing yourself. But it was still spilling out of me. In other words, like I was drawn into doing things like blowing up the neighbor's mailbox with M80s or, you know, like I want, I was testing, I was testing law, you know, limits. Yeah. Vandalism. I was doing things that probably weren't all that smart, but it was just my own kind of wanting to find some trouble to see if I could get out of it. And, you know, this was back in the seventies. It was kind of a free range childhood. And, you know, the, the men were working, there was no like, 
you know, young boys mentoring or initiation, none of that. So we just kind of made it up as we went along. And what that looked like was these kind of wild boys, you know, looking for trouble, basically. I mean, yeah. did you did you have that experience as well? Or Absolutely. I haven't heard the I haven't heard the term M80 for a long time. And it's a, <laughs> a certain generation of men that will know what that is. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, boy pack is, uh, you know, how I think about it. You know, roving boy packs looking for trouble. We call them gangs now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just as ancient as uh, as uh, adolescence itself, you know. Yeah. Young young guys don't have a choice, you know. They're being propelled by their biology. They get nine surges of testosterone a day, and that chemical has been termed an aggression drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it makes them feel powerful. It makes them feel invincible. Uh, it makes them restless and impatient with the world around them. So if adventure isn't provided. Yeah. Or I call it, uh, you know, challenge ladders uh, where they can prove themselves. Males are, I think, also hardwired for hierarchy. So yep. if they can't, don't, can't find a ladder of achievement in some way, so they know where they fit, then they just go crazy. It's Lord of the Flies, you know. <laughs> That's what gangs do. You know, they invent yeah. their own culture. It's wild boys. They, they have initiations. They, uh, if left to their own devices, they will find ways to initiate themselves, and it's usually tragic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. You, you, you wrote in your, in your book that when boys aren't helped to develop their emotional vocabulary, they lose contact with their inner lives. And I, and I wanted to ask you, in your view, like how, how are boys emotionally miseducated? Like by, oh, the, cul- by the culture, by the schools, like where, where do they fall short of, of a boy really getting a, a solid framework in his emotional life? <laughs> I know it's laughable. Yeah. I, I oh man! Well, well. First of all, the quote you said was written in 2005, the first edition of the book, mm-hmm. uh, and then the second was 2012. And I've been getting smarter over the years, you might imagine or hope. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, boys uh, don't. Now I would say it differently. They don't lose contact with their inner life because mostly they don't have a, a way to get connected to it mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys have a, 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 a rich and, and uh, what powerful uh, emotional experiences, but they don't have the vocabulary to talk about it or vehicles for decompression. You know, they don't have a place to deal with grief. They don't have a, a way to talk about the complexity of what all the things they're feeling because yeah. th- their brain isn't wired for it. And they ha- they aren't typically in environments that encourage that kind of expression. Right. right. Um, so, you know, there, one, one author said, if we don't let boys cry tears, they'll cry bullets mm. uh, because, you know, anger expressions of anger and frustration are what the culture kind of gives boys and, and men actually. So, um, you know, you can, you, <laughs> you can pick the bad role modeling examples, you know, yeah, uh, sure. uh, there's just, they're everywhere in, in a boy's life. And the absence of, of good models is probably the larger problem. The counteracting messages aren't just loud enough or strong enough, you know, because of the absence of men, good men showing up to go, you know, what's that about? Or how's that serving? How's that working for you? They need, uh, when we do our groups, we do feelings check-ins. We give them a list, a long list of feelings we'll use. And it's just, a, actually, it's like learning to speak French or something. It's, it's giving them new words to develop the subtlety of expression around that inner life that we were talking about there. In a place where they know anything they say or feel or express is welcome. Yeah. So that's, that's where it can come from. 
the messages to be otherwise are everywhere. Right, right, absolutely. You you had said that 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 young men can get stuck in this kind of neverland between boyhood and manhood, and never really advance in terms of their maturity. Um, I had this experience personally, where I did the the Mankind Project's New Warrior training when I was thirty seven. It wasn't until I was properly initiated, and that might sound mm-hmm. funny to some listeners that I didn't feel like. I had fully arrived at manhood as a mid 30 year old man living in New York with a successful practice. Mm -hmm. Like I checked all the boxes that maybe they said to, this is what men do. I had a father who was a good father. However, I had this, this kind of restlessness of like, I didn't feel like I was really brought over into the male tribe in a proper way until I did that three day training. After that, I, you know, I, I was super clear after that, like I'd been initiated properly. I'm now, I refer to myself as a man. I call other men, men, you know, I'd be like, it changed my vocabulary that Mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah, now I know I was brought properly over. And Mm -hmm. I think with more widespread proper initiation of the young men, we can reclaim this as something that's, that we recognize that has been missing in our culture and say, look, this is essential. Otherwise, you have 30, 40, and 50-year-old men who still feel like they haven't arrived and are still behaving in really immature ways because they don't feel held by the, the mature masculine tribe. Correct. When I started the, the work on the book, mm-hmm. I asked, I don't know, 50, 60 men back then, <laughs> survey, yeah. when did you become a man? And the most common answer was, I'm not sure I am yet. <laughs> and of all ages, you yeah. know, just adding to that pile of uncertainty so many men live with uh, because of that absence of, again, you know, we're hired, hardwired for that. We're looking for elder blessing. We're looking for that acknowledgement that we've crossed the line. And yeah. it, it just it doesn't exist anywhere. And so um, I, I had the same experience. All boys, I, I probably spent up until my 50s when I did that same Mankind Project experience, yeah. immersed in that wonderful male soup. But I was making up my own definition of manhood unconsciously. Uh, it wasn't solidly formed, and um, uh, but it's what I had. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, there was no book on manhood, you know, uh, except looking, seeing men in the world and then somewhere in the back of your head going, I want some of that. He's somebody I admire and respect and trying to figure out how I could incorporate that. So uh, <laughs> there's no amount of hard work in parenting, uh, financial success, you know, which is one way men try to prove, you know, that's one trial. Sure. Uh, they're all trying to prove that they have crossed that line. But it takes that uh, line crossing, honoring by the community, blessing by elders, I think, that because that's how we're set up in the hardwiring. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember... When I went through that weekend, when, when I came off that weekend and started talking to the other men that had gone through, you know, you go through like 65 different processes over that weekend. Right. And well, not quite, but a lot. <laughs> yeah. When, when, and when, you, when I started talking to the other men, what their highlight, you know, top three, four, five processes were, were inevitably different than the ones that I was highlighting. But one of the processes that we all sort of agreed upon was Sunday. Be careful, be careful now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. When, when, when you reclaim sort of your lineage, right? Yes. From your past, from the male, the male tribe, both behind you and in front of you, 
was just amazing. And it felt like you were there representing your male tribe of your family, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, beautiful. You, you can't get that, you know, out in the world, right? It has to no. be done in that kind of ritual space. And yeah, thank you for telling me to be careful with that. So, um, and, <laughs> well, I was good, Tony, I was going to yeah. say that uh, as to the different experiences, you know, yep. men come to that kind of experience. They sign up for it because they're hungry for something. Absolutely. And so the, the pump has been primed, as we say, yep. you know, they're, they're kind of ready and have been longing for, they can't name it <laughs> really, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you know, and they're usually fearful before they step into it. Yep. But uh, when they get there, there's this, I'm home thing. Uh, I've landed in man's world and I, uh, I see I'm not alone and I feel comforted and acknowledged and witnessed and supported. And this is real. It's not for many men. It's the first time in their lives they encounter uh, uh, the challenge to be real, to be authentic, to step up, to own themselves, you know, in, in many different ways. So it, it, it's transformative. Even after you sign up, it's the juice, transformational juice starts working on you because of your, your predisposition to yeah. want what it offers. Absolutely. We're talking about rites of passage for young men. You wrote in your book, um, as they move into their teens, adolescent boys often become distant, non-communicative, restless, sexual, competitive, and sometimes unmanageable. Um, this is a you know, this is a very common list. I think many parents of, of adolescent boys is, are going to recognize this as like, yeah, this is, this is what's happening. And there's, there's some really great rites of passage trainings now. And I'm sure it's evolved since you first wrote the book. You had mentioned a bunch. Your book, uh, Man Making, has got a list. There's this great one in British Columbia, Young Men, what is it? Why, why? Yeah, the YMA, Young Men's why, Adventure Weekend. Yeah, that one. There's Boys to Men Mentoring Network. We have a new one up here by Nikki Wilkes called Journeymen that I'm recommending on Vashon. They do an excellent mm -hmm. job. Yep. Um, but there's a bunch of them, and, I, and I'm just wondering what would be a way to kind of locate maybe a resource. Um, I know your blog has got a list of trainings, but what would be your recommendation? Yeah, the problem is that they're uh, rarely geographically local. On the Man Making blog, I've been doing that since, I don't know, 2005. So I've, there's probably 100 different models uh, of, of rites of passage experiences, not just the whole, you know, big initiatory weekends, but the micro passage moments in a kid's life that can be honored and made part of his accumulating journey to manhood. Um, so I would recommend go, I don't have them in my head, you know, I can yeah. think of a couple, you know, but uh, fishing with a mission <laughs> is a guy that takes kids fishing. One man takes yeah. boys fishing and getting the meat is what men and boys used to do 10,000 years ago, right? So yeah. anything like that. And another one is um, Urban Boat Builders, which mm. was a guy who just liked the, the smell of sawdust. And he started working in his garage and some neighbor boys started coming around and some other men started coming around. And now it's a huge nonprofit that serves, I don't know, a couple thousand kids a year and they build wow. these beautiful boats and auction them off. And uh, But th this is the model of uh, bloom where you're planted, you know, start, yeah. <laughs> start where you can. And, uh, 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 mostly, I call it heroic men with, with a very small footprint, just ready to do something. Uh, one guy is paying kids uh, to pick up trash in his neighborhood, mm. and uh, you know, at the, and that it's not about the trash; it's about the side by side time 
yeah. with, uh, with good men and young men because those moments allow for all kinds of important sometimes or small conversations that make a difference in a kid's life. We talk about natural mentors. Um, you probably, Tony, have somebody in your life. There was a time when some guy showed up and had an impact. Maybe for a while, some men talk about it as just lasting a few hours. This uh, natural mentor is someone that you're just drawn to and want a piece of. And you kind of, next thing you know, the guy finds you hanging out around him. And uh, yeah. so those, those uh, heroic trainings, call them, or, or in, initiatives that include men and boys, all the right things happen that you need to have happen in a male tribe. That's so, so inspiring. Uh, I, I had, when I was young, my football coach in high school, uh, yeah. he, God, I still, I mean, I had a really good dad, but my football coach spoke to me in a way that was unlike my dad. He had a hard edge and he, he could bark at me and he could tell me that was not a good enough effort. I expect more out of you. And I soaked it all in. I knew that he was out for my work ethic and my growing into a, a good young man in a way that my dad wasn't able to express. And yes. I got so much out of playing for him for three years. And his, yeah. his players still speak of like, wasn't that amazing to play for that man? It's like, sure. you know, oh man. Yeah, most men say that coach was a god. Coach was the man who, it's like the drill sergeant or the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he demanded respect. And uh, the best, most caring, most <laughs> loving fathers pray that uh, the uncles and elders show up in his son's life. Yeah. Um, because there are certain things that, that the dad can't do because of the tension between, you know, the boy's job is to push back from dad in, totally. in adolescence. So you need that other, other male to show up who can command his attention. But, you know, they're gone. The men are gone. They're just not showing up in droves. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the tragedy. So then you, you're left with a boy who's pushing back, angry, full of testosterone, kind of a, you know, a mentally handicapped kid because his mm -hmm. prefrontal cortex isn't developed. <laughs> so right. uh, what, what could go wrong, right? <laughs> right, 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 totally. Yeah. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. Um, you've got a profile of what you call a man maker, a hero of yours, John, who really got involved with um, helping boys with this journey. And then we'll talk about your idea of uh, masculine gravity and then some reasons why men don't step up. And I think that would be a good way to finish. So your, your profile of John, you said, um, you asked a question, what do you do with and for young boys in your community? And he made a list of what he, he does, and I'm going to read them off. Listen and hear what they are saying. Encourage them to be in my yard, in my house. Support and encourage them. Set boundaries. Participate in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. Admit my mistakes, volunteer in school reading programs that is mostly boys, staff boys to men initiation weekends, assure young males with safety pins in their noses that I am not disturbed by them and do not judge them. That's great. <laughs> not lovely. Yeah. Volunteer as a guardian ad litem, court advocate for young men, organize community support for and staff a father and son special event, volunteer in an alternative school as anger management group facilitator, chair the Festival of Fathers event, and lastly, keep them in my heart and mind all the time. That is a fantastic list. You know, I think for a lot of men, there might be like, well, what could I possibly do? You know, where do I start? This list, it's expansive, but also there's some really easy things to do on this list. 
or you're already doing many of these things, which I think is even better because when I look at this for as a man, I'm like, look, I'm doing many of these things and he's extended himself in ways that I could still do. I have, I can make my list that is just as good with just some more vision and some more time. This is not as daunting as maybe that maybe some men are like, I'd have nothing to offer. Or I, I don't know what to do. What, you, I'm not sure. I'm saying. <laughs> Most men don't, by the way. Yeah, but, yeah. But but uh, you know, this sets. Uh, I don't know if I'd do this again, mm-hmm. but I thought to set because it sets such a high bar, and so many men we'll talk about it in a moment um, have trouble doing anything uh, for yeah. a whole bunch of really good reasons. But uh, uh, John is my hero. He's a he. He'd be a you know a five star general in the war that uh, uh, the man making, you know, campaign yeah. because he can't not do this stuff. He's got it. He's yeah. figured it out. We're talking about masculine gravity. You know, this is a man who's uh, really been, uh, you know, pulled into the work. What is masculine gravity, Earl? Okay. Masculine gravity uh, is the idea of a pathway mm-hmm. towards involvement. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you're doing some of what John is, but it's not most men's story. Mm-hmm. And so how do I start or where, where can I begin? And then if John represents one end of a continuum, and he does, <laughs> that, sure. that, that's kind of who's at the other end. Uh, what's, it, what's the beginning end look like? And I say, so there's about five stages, and I'll explain the gravity part in a minute. The first stage is that uh, you don't have to do anything as a man. Because whether you like it or not or know it or not, right now, boys are going to school on you. They're watching you. And so if you wake up to that idea, then you'll realize you're already in the mentoring game, just going about your life. And maybe you won't swear in traffic or you won't, you know, uh, uh, you'll wash your hands because there's a bunch of boys in the bathroom after you pee or something. (laughs) You know, maybe you'll kind of step up to be a better man because you're being witnessed Mm -hmm. if you get it. So that's just kind of, you're already in the game. It's not about am I going to mentor boys. You already are because you're the book on manhood for some boys. Mm-hmm. Then the, the, the next step is just to be a little more intentional around young guys. I call it seeing, acknowledging, and blessing. Uh, so if you go past a pack of boys, let them know they exist and, and see if you can find something beautiful about them to acknowledge. Uh, you know, uh, honor them. Hey, a great move on that board, man. Uh, or if you're carrying this intention, mm-hmm. the opportunities – to see, acknowledge, and honor or bless young guys will show up. Yeah. It just means stepping out of yourself a little bit and trying that role on as an elder in their community, even if you don't know them. And I give lots of examples in the book about that. The next one is the one-to-many form of involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, John mentioned, you know, Cub Scouts or Boy Scouts. Or I, I don't know about scouting, but, um, yeah. you know, that was one generation's way to support young males, and there was a lot right about it. But, coaching. And coaching, lots of examples of ways that you with other men can step into action and show up with whatever commitment you're willing and able to make at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, then on the other end of the continuum is one-on-one mentoring, where you develop a relationship with one kid through big brothers or, uh, you know, some other form of one-on-one mentoring. And then, you know, then it's about joining men like we've done to start a, a nonprofit, support and encourage young boys in a lot of right ways. So what happens is, it's a long way around, I know, masculine gravity is that you do a little something and find out you don't die. And in fact, it feels kind of good. And in fact, the boys like it. And so then you'll do a little more. You know, that pulls you towards your, again, my judgment is that it's a biological imperative as a man into the man-making work 
mm. of finding ways to contribute your piece with your unique set of gifts uh, to young men. Maybe it's a 10-minute conversation somewhere. Who knows? But uh, that's the nature of men's work, I judge, and that's a pathway. So start small and let it have its way with you is how I would describe masculine gravity. And I've witnessed this over you know, 20 years of being in the work. Men get say, I want a little more of this. I want a little more of this. And uh, that hunger continues to grow because it's just the right thing for everybody. What are some of the reasons that maybe men don't feel like they can get involved? You know? Oh, man. You know, what, uh, and, and I know a lot of really, really good men who aren't dads, you know, and maybe don't think, well, I'm not a father, so I'm not either I don't have any expertise or I don't have any skin in the game. And I'm not, you know, maybe I don't have any nephews. So I, I'm just kind of, I'm not quite sure if that's an opportunity or what that would look like. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're on the sidelines, but they're really good men. I mean, they're like, Dude, absolutely. You would be fantastic as a mentor or a coach, right? Well, that's a, so again, you're inviting them in at a higher level of commitment and involvement that is maybe still too scary for them. They haven't uh-huh. come far enough along, yeah. but yeah, you get that about them. And, uh, and that's what boys need. Let me just, I, I can name some reasons, but yeah. let me just start out by saying what boys really, really want and need are gloriously imperfect, frightened and unsure men who <laughs> will show up and tell the truth. Yeah. So that's, that is what boys want and need, not Superman, not yeah. the basketball star. You know, they may talk about that, but authentic men who will be clear, uh, like your coach did, that they have an interest in the path of a young man towards, his, towards manhood. Mm-hmm. And he'll go, I don't know, I'm scared, this is frightening to me, uh, and, and so on. But the, he'll show up as authentic and, and real, as the boys say, right? Unmasked. Absolutely. Um, so here's here a few reasons would be um, uh, the one you mentioned uh, inadequacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this whole sense of I didn't get it, I don't know what it is. Nobody mentored me. Uh, how will I? <laughs> uh, how will I know what to do? They don't they don't understand that they're already trained, you know, and hardwired for it. Yeah. Um, and uh, it kind of gets a little worse than that. Uh, I call it toxic masculinity. I think in the book I don't remember, but mm-hmm. uh, where. Because I'm a man, I may, be, I may do something to damage him. I may say something wrong. I may show up as non-PC. I may, uh, my, yeah. I, the inner cop in me might show up. I might mm-hmm. be, you know, uh, but that uh, not only am I inadequate, but I'm dangerous, yeah. right? Because, yeah. I'm, because I'm a man. They might um, see, they might, the boys might see my anger and I don't want that, right? Like yeah. I, yeah. They, if, I, if I see, if they see me get angry, um, that might damage them. But that doesn't. The boys understand anger quite well. So. Well, it, you know, you have to build some trust. Sure, you know? sure. And, and yeah. if you're authentic, I had one man blow up in a circle with boys that were acting out. He said, I don't need to take this shit. I got a job. I got a family. I'm showing up for you. The hell with you guys. And he walked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> not the behavior. I can tell you the job description for a circle mentor, but that's not yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, sure. he came back the next week and said, guys, I apologize. I've been dealing with anger issues all my life. That's what it looks like. I feel bad. I want forgiveness and I would like you to let me back in the circle. And so, man, that was worth the screw up. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) To have him show up as real vulnerable and getting himself. Uh, Not all guys get themselves, but nonetheless, uh, that was beautiful. Another another reason men don't show up is I I, I loosely term it fear of intimacy. What if a boy likes me and wants, Mm. 
wants more from me than I can give? What if I don't have the answers to all his questions? Right. What if, uh, you know, what if he comes to depend on me in some way? I just term it fear of being connected and vulnerable. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there's answers to that, but that's a real barrier. I'll give you one last one, which is the one that really upsets me the most, mm-hmm. is that if I show up for boys, what are people going to say? Um, really? So, you get that oh, one? Huge. Really? It was huge. You know, uh, uh, you know, we hear about pedophilia everywhere. Yeah, yeah Church, that's true. scouting, and um, uh, it's about men interested in boys, especially if it's a man that's a single man or a yeah. man that doesn't have young men in his life. Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the fear is that they'll be judged as, you know, uh, creepy. Yeah, and uh, yeah. that there's something wrong with them, which is really tragic because of the epidemic I mentioned of under male nourished boys. Totally. Men are afraid of what other people are going to say. So in the organizations, most organizations that are able to do fierce background checking and, uh, and there's rules and guidelines about how to prevent any of those kinds of indictments. But nonetheless, the yeah. fear of all that, you know, um, is there. Yeah. Is another barrier. Right. It's another yeah. barrier. It's really tough. Well, Earl, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. It's always great to have you on. Please keep us posted on what's going on. Good luck up in in Minneapolis and and have a safe road trip up there. Thanks for coming on to Base Camp for Men. It's been an absolute pleasure. And don't you dare stop doing what you're doing. You're seeding the cloud, my friend, in, in beautiful ways. So thank you so much. Thanks, Earl, for the blessing. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. One thing I came away with was an appreciation for how many different ways, large and small, that men can show up for adolescent boys. You don't have to staff these big rites of passage weekends, although I highly recommend that you do. You can volunteer, coach, mentor, even just being an appreciative witness to the brilliance of an emerging young man can do wonders in their trajectory. Give it a try and see for yourself. And for more information on Earl or to order his excellent book, Man Making, Men Helping Boys on Their Journey to Manhood, go to his blog at www.manmaking.com. That's man-making.com. He has a number of books there, including one that caught my eye. He's got one called Fighting Invisible Tigers, Stress Management for Teens. So go check it out. And thank you, listeners. It's good to be dialoguing with you again, and I will see you next week. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Base Camp for Men.